Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is behind the scenes where you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. Beginning this Friday, storytellers from around the world will gather at Colonial Williamsburg to participate in the third annual storytelling festival. Here with me is Art Johnson, and he is one of those storytellers. Is that a popular festival? It is. It is a popular festival among individuals who know about storytelling and understand the great entertainment it is. Mm. I was told years ago that the reason storytelling is so popular in the South was that there was such poverty in the South after the Civil War that storytelling was about the only entertainment anybody could afford. Does that sound reasonable? That's a reasonable uh, idea. I think everybody tells stories uh, from the north to the south, from the west to the east. What is their reason for telling the stories? It varies. Uh, In the south, when there was a lot of poverty, folks found different ways to entertain themselves, music-wise, reading, telling stories of the past, and then just telling entertaining stories. Uh, I've always just liked the sound of the human voice. I like people because they express themselves and they get into it. And they, yeah. Storytelling is, is not a dry or a dull subject, I've always found. People get really wrapped up in it. You know. Well, listening to a good storyteller or listening to somebody you're interested in hearing what they're telling you about, you get wrapped up in their voice and their voice will lead you to a place that you forget about where you are and what you're doing and you're in their world. That's just when a good storyteller and somebody just talking to you in front of uh, an audience. Okay, how did you get into it? Well, one of the first people that I ever heard tell stories was Rex Ellis and a gentleman by the name of Dylan Pritchard and when I heard them they just engulfed me in their storytelling. And I've always been somebody who liked to do speeches and uh, audio uh, interpretations and various, anything that dealt with talking, I like doing that sort of thing. And when I heard storytelling, I said, this is where I want to be. Okay. Uh, tell me a story. Once there were two slave boys that decided their master wasn't feeding them enough. Well. You know, they were of that age of 15 and 16 tobacco seasons where they never really got full. They seemed like they could eat and eat. And so they decided to go to the master's barn and steal a sack of their master's taters. They figured, boy, when we get hungry, all we got to do is go get us a tater, fry that tater up, and don't nothing taste better when you're hungry than some fried taters. Well, they went to the barn that night, got the sack of taters out, and then they was going to divide them when the one slave boy said, uh-uh, we can't divide these taters here. Somebody might hear us. We get our backs whipped raw. Taters just don't taste good, fried or otherwise, when your back is whipped raw. Well, the other slave boy said, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go where don't nobody and nobody will hear us? And right then and there, that slave boy said, I know where we'll go. We'll go to Bruton Parish Graveyard. Don't nobody go to a graveyard at night. Now, for those of y'all that don't know about the graveyard, Bruton Parish's graveyard, it's got one gate with a bunch of rails 
that go up and down and connected to those rails is a brick wall that goes all the way around them their bodies. And they say no matter where you stand next to that brick wall, it's always just tall enough where you can't see over it, but just low enough where you can hear the bodies turning at midnight. Well, they got right there to that gate and they was about to open that gate when the one slave boy said, uh-uh, we can't open a gate to a graveyard at night. Something might get out that we can't get back in. So they jumped over the gate. When they jumped over the gate, two of the taters fell out the back, right there in front of the gate. Well, the one slave boy who was carrying the back, he said, don't worry about it. I know where those two taters are. They right there in front of the gate. Ain't nobody here but us. On the way out, I'll pick them up. Well, they got themselves situated right there in the middle of the graveyard behind one of them great big tombstones. And the slave boy said, look, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to set the sack of taters right next to me, and you stand on the other side of the sack of taters. I'm going to reach my hand. I'm going to pull out a tater so you can see me, and I'm going to say, you take that one, and I'll take this one. You take that one, and I'll take this one. You take that one. And I'll take this one. And that's how they divided them taters on up that night. Well, there was only one house next to the graveyard. That's the house that George Wiff lived in. George Wiff was the only man ever dared live next to the graveyard. Folks said they didn't want to live next to no dead bodies. George said them the best kind of neighbors to have. They don't cause no trouble. Well, George, he had a slave by the name of Issam. Issam was his coachman, but Mr. Wiff, he was kind of different. He wanted things where he could control it, and so any time he needed George, who was his coachman, he kept him in the basement, and all he would do was stomp his foot on the floor, and he called George up instead of keeping George with the horses. Well, George, he liked going out at night, going to what they call Saturday night gatherings, for y'all don't know what a Saturday night gathering, that's where all the slaves get together away from their master and, and they, some of them bring food, some of them bring a little, little drink, some of them bring instruments to play and that's where for the next couple of hours they become what they want to be and leave what they were. And it's dancing and drinking and storytelling and well, it's them. He like going to them kind of gatherings, what they call Saturday night gatherings. On a Monday night and a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night. And Issam, he had a way of doing things. When he would come out of the basement in the backyard, he would stick his left arm on the brick wall. And that would lead him to the path where he could go anywhere in the county. And when he came off the path from being out so late at night and he had a little bit of the drink in him and he was kind of not sure where he's going, he put his right arm on the wall and that would lead him right back to the back door which he would go into the basement. Well, this was the same night them boys was in the graveyard and Issam was coming back, had his right hand on the wall and he was thinking about the good times. Woo! Lord, that was some good singing and dancing. Mm. Then he thought he heard something. You know, man's hearing gets real good when he's by himself in the dark next to a graveyard. He said, no, must just be in my mind. He put his hand back on the wall and he was saying, mm. and them ladies could dance, dance, dance. Woo! And then this time he was sure he heard something. And he got right next to that graveyard wall and he reached up 
and put all his weight on his toes to reach his body on up so he can get his ear at least to a good place. And sure enough, he heard a voice coming from the very center of the graveyard in the midnight air. And that voice said, you take this one. I'll take that one. You take this one. I'll take that one. You take that one. I'll take this one. And if some thought right then and there, he said, day of judgment done come. The Lord and the devil in the graveyard dividing up souls. You should have seen that boy. He ran all the way home. Got to the back door. Bam. Hit the back door. Went above stairs. Bam. Hit the master's door. He said, Master Whip, Master Whip, you got to come and see this. The Lord and the devil in the graveyard dividing up souls. It's the day of judgment. You may want to see where you're going to be. Well, well, Master Wiz, he liked doing different kinds of things. He called himself a man of science, so he did what they call experiments. And so he put on his britches and he put on his shirt, thinking he won't no need to put on his wig. And the two of them headed out his own front door and right went right to the one place. They figured they could at least hear what was going on since they couldn't see over the brick wall. And that was right at the gate. When one of them kneeled down and got his right ear, that was Mr. With and Issam, he kneeled down and got his left ear to the gate. And Shona, both of them heard that sound going, you take this one, I'll take that one. You take that one, I'll take this one. You take this one, I'll take that one. And when Mr. Wythe heard that, when Master George Wythe heard that, he looked over to Issam. He said, Issam, you are correct. The day of judgment is upon us. The Lord and the devil are in the graveyard dividing up souls. Oh, what a day this is going to be. Now, now you got to understand, they were concentrating so hard on what was going on in the graveyard that they didn't see down in the dirt between their feet those two taters that them boys had left. So much time had passed since the first time Issam hears that voice and he hears it with his master. The boys that would divide the taters on up, they had practically finished. You take this one, I'll take that one. You take this one, I'll take that one. Well, the boy that was doing the dividing, he looked down, picked up the last two out the bag, and he stared at them for a moment. Then he said, look here, this is what we do. You take these two here. I'll take them two over there by the gate. You should have seen the master and Issam run. Yes, sir. One went above stairs, one went below stairs. Neither one of them came out for a week. You hear me? And to this day, Master Wythe don't miss a day in church. Because mm -hmm. he realized when the Lord or the devil didn't come and get him, he had a second chance at life. Yes, sir. So it'd be those kind of stories. That's that's a perfect story for Williamsburg. It really is. Where'd you learn that? Well, I heard, I heard it from other folks early on, and different people tell their stories different ways. And what you have to do is figure out, A, if you like the story, or you read a story if you like it, and how would you tell it? That would be you, not somebody else. And so I've wrapped that story the way I want to do it. So... When you're telling a story, it's not just any story, any way. Mm -hmm. It's your story, your way. Your way. Because you're the one that has to tell the story. And your personality should come out in that story. Mm -hmm. And when you tell that story, it should be, I've always felt it should be you. 
not you copying somebody else doing it their way. But how would you tell that story? Hmm. I had never thought about it, but that makes perfectly good sense. In the first place, if you ever had to tell it another time, you know what you said last time. It's because it's you. You said it. That's right. Do all storytellers work like that? Yeah, I think so. I think all storytellers tell their stories their way. Those who are more creative, okay, who can create stories, they definitely tell it their way. And the way they tell it, and if you listen to them, they could tell you the same story three different times in three different ways. But then if you were to put them all together, you'll hear there are a whole lot more likenesses than there are differences. That's Colonial Williamsburg, past and present this time. Colonial Williamsburg's third annual storytelling festival is September 14th through September 16th. Visit history.org to learn more. Check back often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.